you'd like to follow along, I'll be reading from Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. Romans 12, verse 9. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Never flag in the zeal. Be aglow with the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in your hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Now Bradley, I thought I'd made myself clear how I feel about this little light of mine. We, uh, we, this gets me really close when that one comes up. It's great to see everybody today, uh, especially a few of you. Miss Joyce is here probably six months almost. Uh, maybe February since Miss Joyce has been able to be with us. No Lionham's with us today uh, after, after several months, uh, seems like several months since his accident. Robert's here with us today. Robert finished his chemo treatments this last week. And so there's some people that are here today that I hope you take the time to just, just go up and give them a hug. Noel, you can thank me for that later. They... Uh, you, you can hug Miss Joyce. She'll hug you all day long. But, it, but it, it's great to be here. Uh, lots of great things going on. Just would reiterate what Bradley said about Vacation Bible School. I hope uh, most of you w- worked in Vacation Bible School. I think there were well over 100 people who worked in Vacation Bible School. Uh, around 350 uh, people who were here every single day. People working in centers. People setting up. Uh, but good quarter of our congregation. If you weren't, I hope you took some time just to come up and see it. Uh, Dustin did a phenomenal job with the song leading. Pat did a great job uh, organizing everything. It was just a great week. And, and I hope hope that you appreciate what it is that we have in, in regards to our Vacation Bible School. There was one lady who drove here every single day from Lexington just because she wanted her children to be at the Savannah Church of Christ Vacation Bible School. That's pretty awesome, okay? Uh, and we're, we're, just, we're privileged to have that right here in our house. And so we're, we're so grateful for that. Uh, we talked several months ago about taking a trip to the Creation Museum in Cincinnati, and we're going to be doing that at the end of July. Uh, Tyler would like to meet with everyone this evening at about 5.30. Bulletin says 5 o'clock, but I think 5.30 will be fine. Um, if you want to go on that trip, there's no age limit. Uh, whether you are young or old, whether you have kids, grandkids, or you just want to go, uh, why don't you come to our meeting at 5.30, and we'll talk about some of the, some of the logistics of that. You know, all the time people come in with, with problems. You know, uh, because people have problems, and I've got problems, and you have problems. But a lot of times people come in and, and, and they say, this is my problem. I, I need some help with this. I'm at the point where I'm ready to talk about these things. I need some help. Sometimes people come in with, with marriage problems. Uh, sometimes people will, will, will come to you and they're having problems with their children and how they can respond to their children. Uh, some people are dealing with addiction problems and struggles, that, that, that things that they just can't can't get rid of and they seem to have a grip on their life. And whatever the problem is, one of the common themes that, that, that seems to run through those conversations is this phrase on, on the back of, on the screen. 
I'll do whatever it takes. I'm here and I want you to know this is my problem and I want you to help me and I want you to know I'm ready to do whatever it takes in order to overcome this thing that is hurting my life. Very seldom do people mean that. I mean, I, I, I know that they think they mean it, but what happens most of, the, most of the time, and you've had these conversations, what happens most of the time is whenever you start to say, okay, here's what we can do. Well, I, I don't know if we're going to do that. I mean, that's, that's a little much. That's a little extreme. That's, that's a little drastic. And you talk and you talk, and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't, but, but, but every once in a while, every once in a while, somebody actually means it. How many of us want to lose weight? Huh? Most of us want to lose weight. Adam Coleman, I mean, Adam is like a different, a different man, right? Like half, you know, just half the guy he was, and he's slender, and he's working out at the gym and all these things. He came into my office to eat lunch here a couple weeks ago, and he was eating something that looked very akin to my grass clippings. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, this is, really, why? That's what it takes. You want to look like Adam Coleman? You know, come, I just mowed my yard, you know. <laughs> it wasn't, I mean... Do I really want it? How bad do I want to be thin? How bad do you want to have the muscles? How bad do you want to have this? How bad, how, how, how bad do you want it? Every once in a while, people mean it. I'll do whatever it takes. Every once in a while, you'll see these examples of, of, these, of these husbands and wives who are having these struggles, and they know that the great struggle is their jobs that are coming between them. I've seen people quit their job. They quit their job. To save their marriage. That's drastic. I've seen people change the way that they treat each other. That's hard, isn't it? She's been talking to him like that for 20 years. He's been talking to her like that for a decade. And now you're telling me I've got to treat them different if you want to save your marriage. And then they'll actually do it. I've seen parents who've actually taken a stand taking a stand as their children have dealt with sin in their lives, that there is such a thing with sin and that these things aren't acceptable and that these things have a repercussion on our relationship and you can't live like that and think that we're going to go along just the way that we always have. That's drastic. That's hard. I've seen people do it and so have you. Why? Because they, because they mean it when they say, I'll do whatever it takes. People who are dealing with addiction go into the jail on, on Wednesday night and, and I'm going to put the, put the plug out there again. If you're not going, we'd love to have you go. It's an amazing opportunity. But all, but all these guys who are dealing with addiction, and, and, and do you know what needs to happen for so many of them? Because every one of them that I talk to is, is saying this, I'll do whatever it takes. Aren't they marking that what they're saying? I'll do whatever it takes to change my life. What do you need? You're going to need to change all your friends. All those bad influences that have put you... You're going to need to get rid of those and completely change the, the, the peer group that, that, that you're spending time with if you really want to overcome. I'll do whatever it takes. This morning, I want us to look at a passage of Scripture about some people and about a man who understood and who really meant, I'll do whatever it takes to get to Jesus I'll do whatever it takes to be what God wants me to be. Every one of us here this morning, and most of the people that you know in the world say, I want to I be what Jesus wants me to be. But are we, are we willing to do whatever it takes? 
It's a story that is known to most to most of you. I'm sure the, the the story of the paralytic. My son asked, "What are you preaching on this morning?" And I told him this, and he said, "Well, that ought to be a pretty short sermon." And he underestimates me, right? C- continually. But there's so much to talk about here and so much to think about here. But, but if you can picture it, that, that the crowds around Jesus are growing every day. Hundreds of people, thousands of people are crowding around because they want to see, what is this man going to say? What is he going to do? Who is he going to heal? How is he going to, how is he going to change those things? I mean, I, I've missed it before, but I'm not going to miss it again. right? And that's why we, we read about Jesus having to feed the, 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 the five thousand and the four thousand because they're the amazing crowds that are there and that are surrounding him but when he comes into this place he he goes into a house and i don't care whose house you have if if you take a hundred people or a thousand people and you put those in into your house it's going to it's going to create some traffic problems isn't it Sometimes we'll have all the young adults over every couple of months and we might have maybe 50 or 60 people there. And you know what? It's hard to get in and out of the door. We're talking about a hundred, thousands of people who are crowded around and everybody's in who can get in and everybody's at the door. And here these men come bringing to Jesus a paralytic. A man who can't walk. He can't get up out of his pew and walk out that back door. If he's going to get from spot A to spot B, his friends have to carry him there. Have you ever tried to carry somebody? I'm not talking about trying to carry a kid. My, my son is getting to the point where, where I can just barely carry him. Right? You ever tried to carry a grown man? Four of his friends have to carry him everywhere he goes. And they've decided, we've got to, we've got to do something. There's hope. There's this man named Jesus, and, and I've heard of the things that he's done. I've heard that, that, that He can turn water to wine, that, that He's taken blind people and He's given them sight, that he, even that He's raised people from the dead. Maybe He can help us too. What if you knew? What if you knew you had a terrible disease and you thought there was someone who could help you? A lot of you have made the trip, haven't you? A lot of you have made the trip to hospitals and to institutes and places where they study, where they study disease and, you, and you've changed your life and you've rearranged everything because, because in your mind you had this thought, if I go there, maybe they can help me. If this man gets to Jesus, maybe Jesus can help him. But the Bible says that when they got there, they were unable to get to Him. They couldn't get to Jesus. He's right there. Jesus is right behind that door. He's within my grasp and I can't get in because because of the crowd. What are we going to do? You've been to the movies before and you wanted to see this, you wanted to see this movie and you've been talking about it for weeks and you've been talking about it for months and you get up there and they say, "We don't have any more tickets left." You can't come in and I can see it. And I can see the other people that are going in and they're getting what I want, but I can't go in. So what do I do? And I go home. What do we do? What do we do when it comes to getting to Jesus? The Bible says that these men, when they realized they couldn't get through the door, they went up on the roof. And houses in those times, they weren't the shingled roofs like we have with an angle. They were roofs you could go up on top of. 
You could walk up on top. And they were probably made out of some clay-like substance. But, but the Bible says that they went up on the roof and, and they began to open the roof. They began to put a hole in the roof. If you have a hole in your roof, you have a problem. Right? They put a hole in the roof. They dug it out and they let the pallet on which he was lying down into the house. See, these are men who said, we've got to get to Jesus. And we're willing to do and we're ready to do whatever it takes in order to get to Jesus. Friends, we must come to Jesus. Me and you. You may have a lot of needs in this world. I may have a lot of... I don't have any need greater than Jesus Christ in my life. I could give you friends. I could give you money. I could give you popularity. I could give you a fancy home. I could give you the nicest. I could give you everything. But if you don't have Jesus, friends, there's going to be a day when you have nothing. We need Jesus. Or we'll never walk. We'll never be able to get up off that mat. We must come to Jesus. You see, but our problem is very akin to this man's problem. That there are things that come between us and Jesus. Those, those people, the crowds that kept Him from getting into the door. It's not other people necessarily that keep us from Jesus and the crowds, but, but, but we do have things that, that, that they keep us from Jesus, don't they? Why isn't the whole world saved? Why don't we all have the, the greatest relationship with Jesus that, that, that we all want to have? Why, why don't we have those things? Why don't we have a thousand people here this morning? Why don't we have two thousand people? Because it's not because we don't need Jesus. It's because people are struggling to get to Jesus. It's not because Jesus is not here. It's not because Jesus is not extending the invitation. It's not because He hasn't died for us. It's because we're struggling to get to Jesus things that come between us and our Lord. Our own pride? Our own pride? Has your own pride ever come between you and Jesus? When you knew that the, that the, that the one thing that needed to happen was for you to actually repent? But for me to say those incredibly difficult words, I have sinned? Who likes saying that? Anybody? I don't like saying those words. I don't want to say those words. But I have to. I have to come face to face with my own sin or I can never come to Jesus. Sin? Well, sin is it's real, isn't it? Temptation is real. Buddy was talking in our Bible class this morning about uh, about the struggles that, that we face. And, and friends, t temptation is everywhere. Sin is everywhere. And, and every day, people choose the things of this world over the, over the things of God. And, and, and we make those same choices, don't we? Because I want it. I want it. I want that thing. It looks good and it smells good and it feels good. And, 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 it, and this will make me happy, we think. And so people choose those things over Jesus. Sometimes family. Sometimes relationships come between us and Jesus. Do you realize what this is going to do to my family? Do you realize the difficulty this is going to bring me, especially in the short term? And what needs to happen? We could go on and on. I don't have to diagram it for you. We need to come to Jesus to take drastic measures to get up on a roof and put a hole in a roof because I'm going to do whatever I have to do to come to Jesus. 
Wherever He may lead, I'm going to follow. Wherever He may call me, I'm going to go because whatever happens, I want to get to Jesus. And the Bible says, the Bible says that as they lowered, as they lowered that pallet, if you will, down into the house, that Jesus saw their faith. Can you picture that? Can you picture yourself sitting in that house and I don't know what Jesus was doing. He was probably teaching, probably telling the crowds and speaking to the crowds. He might have been taking a break in, in order to eat. He might, he might have just been, been resting for, from a difficult day. But whatever it was, He was sitting in that house and all of a sudden the roof started to open up. Can you picture that? Can you picture that you go home on Sunday afternoon and you've been working hard and, and, and you sit down on the couch and, and maybe you've got the television on or maybe you're reading a book or maybe you're, maybe you're in the middle of a Bible study. I don't know. But all of a sudden you start to hear something and all of a sudden the roof starts to shake and, and all that little stuff on your ceiling, it starts to fall and before, and before you know it, you start to see daylight and then there's a hole in your roof. What in the world? If that happened, you'd have a story, wouldn't you? If that happened, you, you'd be back here tonight. BJ, you, you'd be telling everybody about how your roof opened up and these guys came down into your roof. What in the world are they doing? That's what happened. And the Bible says that Jesus, seeing their faith, what is He saying? Faith is not just, not, it's not just that, that, that desire that we have. Faith is not just that mineral ascent that we give. Christ sees our faith. If I really am a man of God, if I really am a man of faith, you're going to be able to see that in the life that I live, in the, in the choices that I make, in the way that I talk to people, in the way that I treat people, in the way that I live. James chapter 2, what did he say? He says, what use is it, my brethren? If a man says he has faith, but he has no works, can that faith save him? Or if a brother or a sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, well, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. You can go on to read the rest of the chapter, but the point that I'm trying to get at is that faith, the great hall of faith, those people were there because their faith motivated them to action. Their faith motivated them to do whatever it takes. Their faith motivated them even to take drastic steps. Isn't this what Jesus was talking about when He said, pluck out your eye and cut off your hand? He's saying take drastic measures. Do those things that maybe the world might look at and they may say, what are you doing? Isn't that a little much? Isn't that a little extreme? Isn't that a little bit over the top? Can you really get over the top in pursuit of Jesus Christ? Can you? I think we've got enough lukewarmness in the world. I think we've got enough apathy in the church. I think we've got enough people who are saying, oh yeah, I want to get to Jesus. I'll be sitting right here if He'll come see me. But Jesus right there. Get up on the roof. Put a hole in the roof if you have to. Don't let anything come between you and your Lord. Jesus sees that faith that is in action. And then, and then Jesus says something. 
He says something that's really easy for, for you and me just to, just to skim right over because it's something we've probably seen and we've heard a thousand times or ten thousand times. I don't know, depending on how old you are. What does He say? He makes this amazing statement. He said, he said to the paralytic, My son, your sins are forgiven. So amazing about that. We talk about sin and we talk about the forgiveness of sin over and over and over again. I don't think there's probably ever been a sermon been preached from this pulpit where we didn't say something about forgiveness and the forgiveness that, that, that God... I mean, it's language that we're so accustomed to. What's so amazing about it? What's amazing is that Jesus said, My son, your sins are forgiven. You can't do that. You can't do that. If Bill and Beverly get into a big argument, and I know you guys probably never have those things, but if, let's just say for, for illustration that Bill and Beverly get into a big argument, and, and Bill, you know, he says something, and, and, and he just is really harsh and really cruel and just gets really out of hand, right? And, and, and then they, you know, they go off in a huff, and, 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 and later that day, Bill's feeling really bad about it, and, and he said, I, I, really, I just want to be forgiven for those things. And, and so Bill decides... That, Bill goes to Greg and he says, Greg, I want to be forgiven. And Greg says, Bill, you have been forgiven for what you did to Beverly. Does it work that way? And Beverly said, well, no, 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 no. You've got to come to me, right? I mean, he said it to you, right, Beverly? Don't get mad at him like those people get mad over something you said in your sleep. Right? That's not what we're talking about, all right? My wife got mad at me several times. I'm like, I didn't do anything. And she dreamed something I did. Anyways, there's a whole song about that. Anyways, it's crazy. But it doesn't work that way, does it? Greg can't forgive Bill's sins. And Jesus just, just looked at this man and He said, your sins are forgiven. I can't forgive your sins. You can't forgive my sins. And so... And so those who are listening, they put, they put two and two together. They heard these things. In verse 6 it says, but there were some of the scribes sitting there and they were reasoning in their hearts, that doesn't make any sense. Why does this man speak that way? What way? Your sins are forgiven. He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, aware in His Spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, can you imagine being with someone and you, you didn't have to say it, Howard, they just knew what you were thinking. I always thought I'd be in big trouble. Okay? I, I telegraph what I think enough. It, you know, but, but Jesus is there. I know what you're thinking. Alright? I know what you're thinking, Bradley. Right? Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he, well, tell me about what you're thinking right now. Why are you reasoning in your hearts? You're upset because you're saying only God can do that. And Jesus' reply is basically this, yeah, that's the reason I said it. Because I want you to know who I am. I'm not just a great man. I'm not just a great teacher. I'm not just somebody who can do tricks. I'm not just, I'm, I'm not just a great healer of, of people's physical... I am God. Let me ask you, which is easier to say to, the, to, to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven? Or, say, or to say, arise and take up your pallet and walk. 
which is easier? It means if you break your leg, alright? Oh, if you get up in the middle of the night and you fall down and you break your ribs and you puncture your lung and, and all that, if you do all that, I got doctors that can help you. And Wes Hazel can't help you, but I, there are people who can help you, right? If you got cancer, there are people who can help you. If you hurt your body, there are doctors, there are hospitals. I, I would ne- never forget, I don't remember a lot of prayers, but I remember when I cut my finger off, I remember, I remember Don Doran came, and I remember what you prayed, Don. You prayed, you prayed, thank you, God, that there are places like this when we need them. And I just remember thinking, I've never wanted to amen so much in my... I mean, that, yes! Thank you that we have those places. It's not always easy, but they're there. So Jesus says, which is easier? I could have said arise and walk, but I said something more. I said to this man, your sins are forgiven. Why? In order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin. In order that you would know that I am God. Deity. God in the flesh. And then the Bible says that He turns to the paralytic and He says, I say to you, rise, take up your pallet, and go home. Friends, if I had the power to forgive sins, i got the power to heal a man's body. That's the point I'm trying to make. Now, you have struggles? Do you have things that, are, that you're dealing with? Turn to me. I have that power. I want this man to understand I'm not just here to make him walk. Friends, if I make you walk but I don't heal your soul, I haven't done you a whole much good. And the Bible says in verse 12 that he arose and immediately took up his pallet and he went out of the sight and went out in the sight of all, so that they were all amazed and they were glorifying God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes for us to come to Christ, Jesus is there. Jesus has died. Jesus has given all. Jesus has extended the invitation. Are you struggling? Are you struggling? Do you feel do you feel there's something physical that you just need some help with? I know there is. I'm looking out there. I know I know enough of the stories to know that, that there are. Is there a spiritual problem? Is there something that's coming between you and your God? That battle that we talked about this morning? Do you need comfort? Do you desire peace? Jesus says, I'm the one who can give it. I'm the one who wants to give it. I'm the one who invites you to take hold of it. I'm the one. I'm the one who has the power even over sin itself. And friends, if He has that power, there is no power that is beyond Him. I don't know what's in your mind right right now. But I do know that if there's something there, if there's something there that you're saying, I just need some help, I do know one who can give you that help. Whatever it is, that's Jesus Christ. So do whatever it takes.
Take some drastic measures. I don't know, that may mean coming down this aisle this morning. That may mean picking up the phone when you get home. But you come to Jesus. You come to Him for healing. You come to Him for forgiveness. You come to Him for peace. You come to Him for comfort. That's why He came. To seek and save you. Why don't you come this morning as we stand and as we sing.